Welcome back to Solid Steps Radio. If you are just joining us, we are sitting here today talking about leadership. And if you want to hear this entire show and our podcast, visit our Facebook page, facebook.com backslash Solid Steps Radio. And we will have that posted on Monday. But we're talking with leadership uh, about Bob's 40 years of leadership in the church and, and ministry and 50 plus really in, in being in ministry. And in the last segment, we talked about how it's easy to be a leader when it comes to certain aspects of life. I was just sitting here thinking that when you talk about leadership with men, we're really interested in the documentaries on the History Channel about political leaders, uh, military leaders. We think of Eisenhower. We think of Lincoln. We think of all these leadership. And we think about business leaders. That has been the big deal the past 20 years, leadership within business. Well, we can talk about that from a male perspective all day long. We talk about men and talk about sports. Now we can really start talking about leadership, the quarterback on the field, the coaches on the sidelines and things like that. But when we start talking about leadership within the home, all of a sudden it's just kind of like there's just this natural kind of uh, pushback that we just, uh, so I'd love to hear Bob, uh, you told uh, that story about how you heard a conversation between you and Judy about how you were not nearly as animated with your wife as you were with the people in your church. And I'm guilty of that on a regular basis. So how do we as men turn the corner if we realize that the most important person in our life is our wife? How do we bring those leadership qualities that we are so enthusiastic about in all those other areas, how do we bring them home? Well, I think one thing you just mentioned is we have to be convinced in our mind that we're supposed to be the leader in the home. Mm. Because one of the things we want to do is we want to abdicate those responsibilities because we've had to, to lead maybe in our business and we want to come home and if our wife is willing to take up the mantle of leadership, we let her do it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it's not a matter of m- m- uh, barking out orders. It is a matter of setting the tone in the home. You know, there's that old saying about the mood of the leader is the mood of the team. And we, we, we need to be convinced I'm supposed to be the leader of my home. And that means my attitude sets the tone in this in this house. So I decided I, I needed to bring some more joy in into the home that uh, when I, I this book I'm I've, I'm currently finishing up about mm-hmm. things I do the, differently, the things I do the same. I say one of the things that I would do the same is that I would laugh a lot and mm. maintain a sense of humor and incorporate humor in preaching. And I have a whole chapter about how important a spirit of laughter and joy is to the church. But you know what? That same spirit of joy and laughter is important in the home. But I didn't work nearly as hard to find humorous things at home as I did at church. There was a little cartoon in Leadership Magazine a while back that went something like the, the preacher and his wife are driving to church and she says to him, why don't you switch roles today? Why don't you be uh, grumpy and sour at church and upbeat and joyful at home? <laughs> you don't have so, to be a preacher for that to be convicting. I can tell you what that. I'm talking about. So I, I decided, and, and I grew up in a home where we laughed a lot. And I liked the fact that when my son was in the second grade, he had an uh, essay assignment, and it was, I like it when, and a blank. And he filled in the blank, I like it when my dad laughs. Mm, wow. 
And I, I can't tell you how that warmed my heart. But I also realized I don't laugh often enough at home. And particularly, I didn't with Judy because Judy came from a stern uh, German family where they didn't laugh a lot. I remember one of the first times I went to Thanksgiving at her home and there's a big crowd around the Thanksgiving dinner and somebody got emotional talking about something. And in my home when we were growing up, if somebody got emotional, our comic relief was somebody said something funny and we could all laugh. Well, I said something hilarious. I mean, it really was funny. And nobody laughed. Boy, I wanted to crawl underneath the table. I realized, this is a different family than I grew up in. So Judy didn't grow up with the same value of laughter. So I got so I backed off mm. and I wouldn't tease with her didn't laugh with her. And she would see me laughing, carrying on with my friends. And then I, I was a different person when I, when I came home. And so I decided I was going to start to tease her. And that's one of my ways of being more animated at home. And then when I would walk by her, I'd pat her on the shoulder or someplace else on her body <laughs> and get her attention. We're guys, Pat. Would, it's a men's show. We're okay with it. Judy's love language is physical touch, you know? And, and so she, I found out that just by laughing and teasing and giving a little focused attention and by touching, uh, she responded. Like one night after church, we were having pizza with some of the teenagers in, in the kitchen. And uh, Sunday night is, you know, heaven's going to be like Sunday night for for preachers. <laughs> but I looked across the table at my wife and she looked particularly attractive to me and I winked at her and she glanced away like she was embarrassed that I winked at her. About two hours later, I was sitting in my easy chair at home and she came and grabbed me around the neck and kissed me in the back of the neck. She said, you know what that does to me when you wink at me in public? I said, no, but I found out and I'm going to do it again. <laughs> but but one, you say, how, how do we do it? We have to make the effort at first. And we, we want to come home and just lie around and, and gear down. But we need to say, I'm the leader here. My mood makes a difference. And then we start reaching out, giving some focused attention. And we find out we're rewarded for that. And I have to say that Judy and I laugh and tease a lot more uh, in the last 20 years of our, minis- of our marriage than we did in, in, the, in the first tw- 25 or 30. Hmm. Hmm. Judy uh, went somewhere the other day. And I remember something I should have told her, and I telephoned her, and she picked up her cell phone in the car. She'd been gone for five minutes, and she said, you miss me already? (laughs) She would have never said that 25, 30 years ago. She's teasing back with me. And one of the things that guys need to understand, your, your marriage can get better over a period of time. And don't be satisfied to try to continue to improve in everything you do without, first of all, improving as a husband and in, in, in helping your marriage and your home to grow. Bob, I used to call that, and I still still call it, I, I call it flirting. And flirting's fun. <laughs> yeah, we, with the right person. <laughs> well, with your wife, yeah, you know. We, we flirted when we were when we were dating. Well, so why stop, right? Yeah, yeah. and uh, we have a, a lot more fun that way. Oh, that's that's super. So okay, so and I've been married for fifty years. You know, <laughs> no, that's fantastic. T- tell me, uh, tell us a little bit about um, a, a guy who really struggles having a sense of humor. He's he's serious all the time. He's serious at work. How, how do you bring that that spirit well, of joy and laughter in the home? Well, I th- I think that it has something to do with our temperament. There there are some of us who find laughter easier than others. And there are some people who are just genuinely funny people. I, I'm not a, a, a funny person. 
just by nature. Uh, I just kind of grew up, but I'm a laugher. I can laugh at other people's <laughs> jokes, and then I can work at humor. There was a guy who who did his thesis at Southern Baptist Seminary on humor in preaching, and I was his subject. And he's got a whole doctorate on the humor of Bob Russell's preaching. <laughs> and in the introduction, he says, this is a good person to study because Bob Russell is basically not a funny person. <laughs> I'm sure you were really flattered by that. I was really flattered by that. But in a way, he was right. His humor was something I had to work at. And so I think if if we see a funny video or we hear a one-liner that's funny, we, we can bring that home and ask, you know, share it with their wife or share it with the, the people in the family. Write it down. Have, have something funny to share at the dinner table. Because laughter, I'm telling you. It's good medicine. The Bible says it's good medicine. Laughter can be serious business. Laughter softens hearts and it heals and it opens a gateway to, to, to uh, talk about other things. So it, if, if you're not a funny person, uh, that doesn't excuse you from looking for funny things or repeating something that somebody else said that was funny. And most importantly, those who are funny love to be around somebody who knows how to laugh. Mm-hmm. You, have you ever been in a crowd and they were all dour people and you told something funny and you just got a little grin? You quit telling funny jokes pretty fast. You, but I, I want to be a person that knows how to laugh mm-hmm. out loud. I think it's really valuable. Powerful. I, I've actually told some people, uh, you need to go get a uh, Wayne Smith, you know, with just some of the talks that he gave at Southeast and, you know, his pastor in Lexington for years. And, and I'd say, you need to go listen to Wayne Smith uh, and this specific talk that he gave and you you will laugh. Yeah, but you know we can't. Most of us aren't Wayne Smiths, and I hear people trying to imitate him, and they come up really short. You always come up second best when you imitate somebody, but we can laugh at Wayne Smith. Absolutely, and we can laugh out loud. Yes, yes. And I think that the, the, there's certain en- enzymes that are released in the body. I'm not a doctor, but I tell you what, laughter is good for the soul. So, uh, what What else, Bob? Would you in in your book that's going to come out? What else would you do? the same well one of the things that I, I, I mentioned is that I would avoid the celebrity mentality that if you do well in business or you do well in leading a church uh, you get so many accolades that you begin to believe that you're somebody special and when you begin to believe that you're somebody special, you're in dangerous territory. The Bible says pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And Satan loves it when he's got you at the polar ends of the emotional scale. When you're really discouraged and depressed, I mean, you're vulnerable to all kinds of wrong things that men get into, whether it's a, a alcohol and drugs or pornography or an affair or uh, just uh, deep depression. But if you're at the other end where you are prideful and you, you, the Bible says, take heed when you think you stand lest you fall. And how many guys do we see who do really well in business or do really well at church and all of a sudden they come crashing down because they, they've, they thought they were above the rules. So I, I think though uh, I had to battle pride in ministry, I think for the most part I avoided that celebrity mentality. And I talk in the book about 
uh, how you do that and staying close to Christ and remembering where you came from. But one of the ways is to surround yourself with people who tell you the truth. I, I had friends in ministry who didn't treat me as a somebody special. In fact, they delighted in bringing me down. <laughs> and my family did too. Uh, my family would tease me all the time when people would, would praise me, when they get me in private. I mean, now even my grandchildren will get on me about it because they know the, the, the tone that we're trying to set in the, in the house. And my grandchildren will give me Christmas gifts. I got a Christmas gift two, three years ago. It's a cufflink box that you open up and it says, you're wonderful, Bob. You're special, Bob. We love you, Bob. And they, they give me a gift and then they laugh. Last year they gave me an ice cube tray that spells out Bob. And they said, now you can have your own ice cubes, Bob. You know, because cause they, they know I'm just pop who goes to sleep on the couch and snores. <laughs> so you, you need to be around those people who, who treat you as normal and uh, uh, you just... Uh, constant reminder of uh, think of what you were when you were called not, not many noble not many mighty uh, but it's the Lord who lifted you up so so it, it, guys are listening today and there may be they've been really successful and they're struggling with that how do you bring about some some men around you who can really and we're gonna have to take a break and we're gonna come right back with that question um, but how, how do you surround yourself with men who will tell you the truth and even be hurtful to you, but, but they love you? We'll be uh, right back with Sal Steps Radio. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to Solid Steps Radio. This is Chad Russell sitting here with Kurt Souter of Further Still Ministries, and we're interviewing, talking to Bob Russell about leadership. And Kurt, you just asked Bob a question coming out of the last break about how you surround yourself with folks who can speak truth in your life and kind of keep you humble. So Bob, what, how, how did you do that in 40 years of, of leading a church and, and surrounding yourself with those kind of guys? Regardless of where you lead, whether we're talking about leading in the home or leading in business or leading in the church, you need to gather a team around you who can be strong in areas where you're weak and be able to reinforce you. And I think one of the things we need to ask is, uh, what kind of a leader do I want to be? Do I want to be a leader who gathers around him yes men, rubber stamps, so they'll not buck up against me and they'll do what I want to do? Or do I want to gather around me strong leaders who will help me to rise above where I personally can go? So if, if you're going to gather around you strong leaders, then you, you got to understand they're not just your cheerleaders. They want to be in the game. If you gather around you strong leaders and you expect them just to stand on the sidelines and applaud and approve everything you do, then they're not going to stick around very long because they want to be make a difference in the game. So you've got to make a decision what kind of leader you're going to be. Then, then you're going to gather around you the strongest, most talented leaders you, you can find. And you've got to be man enough that when they uh, disagree with you or when they maybe cut you down a little bit, that you swallow it and you say, this may be good for me. Uh, you, you, you can't have sensitive skin. I remember a, a meeting in which you, you couldn't get a stronger type A personality than Jack Coffey. Who's an elder in our church? I tease him and say he's the Donald Trump in ministry. <laughs> but I say I was in a meeting and I came up with an idea, and Jack looked across the table at me and said, 
you know, you've brought some stupid ideas into this meeting. That may be the dumbest thing I've ever heard you bring up. I said, no, Jack, you remember when I suggested the teenagers drive golf carts around the lot and pick up the people out of the carts? That was a dumber idea than this. <laughs> and everybody in the room laughed, and Jack and I went up for ice cream afterward. Good friend of mine. But I'd be, I've got to be man enough to accept that. I, I, want, I didn't want my neck to be on the line for borrowing $26 million or making big projects all by myself. I wanted some other necks out there with me. <laughs> so if you're going to do that, then you've got to be willing to accept uh, the give and take that goes with men. And, you know, one of the things that, that men especially follow is courage. They, they want to be able to, to, to see that you're, you're not weak, that you can, you can stand up underneath the pressure. Now, transfer that into the home life. Uh, when, when we're beat down at work and we come home and then our wife doesn't treat us as somebody special, our wife takes us for granted, our wife says, you know, the, there's a leak here in the basement, you need to get it corrected, uh, then we kind of resent that. But we need to be courageous enough leaders that we can hear feedback from people around us and we, we don't go into a shell. I remember one night I was going to go uh, speak at our leadership conference and I was had 2,000 people coming from across the country going to hear me preach in about a half hour. And I came home to get something and Judy said, could you sweep the carpet? <laughs> We got some guests coming in. I don't have time to do it. You know, <laughs> she wasn't too impressed. And just in 45 minutes, I was going to be standing in front of the Grab the vacuum cleaner. <laughs> you know what I did? <laughs> swept, the swept, the, swept the carpet. You were a good husband. <laughs> no. Hey, so so t- when when uh, how did you handle when Judy was, uh, you know, said some tough things to you? How, 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 how did that go over? It didn't go over very well. <laughs> uh, I would grumble and... and uh, you know, I mean, it happens all the time. I'm married 50 years. Last night it was raining, and it was 10.30 at night, and I'm sitting there watching the basketball game on TV, and Judy said, you know, that uh, window well out there is full of water, and, and somebody needs to go out there and, and get somebody. Somebody. <laughs> somebody. Somebody. You know who that somebody was <laughs> to be? <laughs> and I'm, I'm sitting there mumbling and grumbling last night. So you're sitting here asking me a question. and But I think that the point is that it's every day. Jesus said that you're going to follow me. You're going to take up your cross daily and follow me. And there has to be self-denial every day, denial of your ego. I don't care who you are. you got to say, you know what? I'm the leader in this home. And if we get water in the basement, it's my responsibility. There's a guy named W. Edwards Deming who was a business guru turned around Japan in the 70s and 80s. And he's got 14 principles of leadership. And one of the principles is this. 95% of the problems in any business are the problems of management. Mm. It all comes back, almost all of it comes back to the leader. Yeah. And I would say to guys... 95% of the problems in your home are your problem. You're the leader. And if it's not going away, it's, it should be going. You're the guy who's supposed to take charge. You're, supposed, you're not barking out orders, but it's your mood, your temperament, your willingness to sacrifice yourself and love your wife the way you should is going to determine whether it's going good at home or whether it's not. So as the husband goes, so the home goes, really. I mean, I, you I say, really believe that. I, I think you, I heard you say a, a, an analogy once about the thermostat, uh, that if, uh, if a, the, ther- the thermostat of the spiritual thermostat of the home, the, the husband's hand is on the, ther- the temperature, the spiritual temperature of the home, the husband's hand is on the thermostat, yeah. right? So, I mean, as we go, so the, the family goes, yeah. yeah. 
That's uh, wow. That's that's good stuff. We gotta we gotta lead ourselves spiritually. We gotta be people who lead ourselves, and then we gotta we gotta really engage our our families. Um, Bob, I just want to shift gears just a little bit. Um, when you think about uh, pleasing God and pleasing man, how 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 do you balance that? That's a tough challenge for me every day because I'm kind of a people pleaser by nature, uh, and a lot of us are. We we want people to like us. Uh, so I might not be a good person to answer that question, but this issue that comes up a lot and uh, to say or do what you know people want you to say or what you want you to do and then you read in scripture here's the principle that uh, God wants us to set forth so I think we have to begin each day in that quiet time in which we say Lord uh, here's what happened yesterday and you kind of in prayer evaluate and give thanks for what happened and confess <laughs> you know I please people here I, I I told a lie and it really wasn't truth that I, I I didn't speak the truth to somebody and then lay out before him what's going on in the day in front of you and say help me to seek first the kingdom of God and not people's approval but I got to admit it's a daily battle for me well that's the daily bread we need um, I want, yeah, I want to ask you about. Um, you know, we, we're talking about failure and how we can you know, we can grow through our failure. You, you tell the story about one of your one of your boys in high school. Oh yeah, people imagine sometimes that a spiritual leader, everything is perfect in the home, but everybody, it's not. <laughs> everybody goes through the same issues and uh, whether it's in marriage or in child rearing and I remember one you, you think the incident you're referring to one of my sons was a senior in high school and he broke a family rule big time and I was so upset with him I just couldn't believe he did what he did and I found out from somebody else so I called him on the carpet I sat him down on the couch in the living room where we had our father to son talk and to his credit he confessed that it was true he had done what he had been accused of doing and he said, Dad, I'm really sorry. Please forgive me. And I thought, if I were the kind of dad I should have been, I'd just let it ride right there and say, okay, let's go on from here. But I was angry, and I began to grind him down more about why would you do this? Why, why would you allow this to happen in your life? You know the consequences of somebody who does this. I just can't understand. And to his credit, he did not stalk out and storm out of the room and say, I can't live in this glass house anymore. I'm tired of being a preacher's kid. I can't live up to your standard. Instead, he broke and he started to sob. And he put his head in his hands and he said, Dad, I am so sorry. Please forgive me. And then he blubbered and said, Dad, could we pray or something? <laughs> Now, when he said that, I broke, too. So we, we knelt by the couch, arm in arm, and uh, we both blubbered out of prayer. And, uh, you know, and never was it a, a, a problem again. But the funny thing is that I never felt closer to my son than I did at that moment because he had been transparent, because he needed my forgiveness, because he revealed to me that my relationship with him was important to him. And uh, I think that's our relationship with God. We all blow it. 
But the Bible says that God is near to those of a contrite heart. And he, some, Charles Swindoll once said, God loves the bent knee, the wet eye, and the, and the broken heart. Mm-hmm. And I feel close to my child when he repents and f- I can forgive. He needed my forgiveness. And I think that's the way the Heavenly Father feels toward us. We all blow it as men. But when we come humbly before God, he is uh, anxious to forgive. We confess our sin and... Uh, the Bible says, Proverbs 28, when we, re- we can confess and renounce, we find mercy, right? Wow. Bob, um, I can't believe our time is up. It's, it's been an absolute blast to have you here. And uh, thanks so much for coming in, for sharing with us. And uh, love to have you pray for the men as they're listening. Would you just uh, Be glad to. pray and intercede Thank for them? Thanks. Dear Father, uh, I pray for any man listening right now because lord we we all go through struggles because we're we're polluted by the sin of adam and we gravitate toward that which is evil at times and it's even more difficult today because of the age in which we live when jesus said in the last days there'd be a great falling away of the faith because of the increase of wickedness and it's so easy for us lord through technology or travel to be totally anonymous and to, to find ourselves in places and doing things that we know we shouldn't do. So I pray right now for a new resolve on the part of the men who are listening, that they would become uh, people with pure hearts, mm-hmm. seeking to please you, not men, seeking to, to be the leader of their home and the lover of their wives and the, the example to their children of integrity and honesty and transparency, so that our homes would be a haven of blessing and peace and that we could be a model for others to follow. Thank you that you understand our struggles. Thank you that uh, we have a high priest who has been tempted as we are yet, not without, uh, but he was without sin. Help us to follow his example and to be more and more like Christ every day, that we might be the leaders and the men that you would have us to be. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you all for listening. And if you want to hear the entire show in its entirety, if you didn't get a chance to, listen to us on Facebook.com backslash Solid Steps Radio for our podcast posted on Mondays. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next Saturday.